0: O Lord, You made my mountain stand strong. You hid Your face. I was dismayed. To You, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise You? Will it tell of Your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my Helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. I'm going to pray before we move into the sermon time. And I'm going to pray for our time together. But I'm going to pray for Diane Lee. Uh, many of you know Diane, who has helped us out with child care for a while. Um, and her father, I think a lot of you know, her father died last week. And they also had to move her sister into hospice care this week. And uh, so it is an incredibly difficult time for Diane. And I appreciate the way that Center Point has reached out to her and cared for her. Uh, but if you would remember and would join me as we pray for her. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You that in the name of Jesus we can call out to You and we know that You will hear us. In fact, we know not only that You will hear us, but that Jesus prays with us. That even Your Holy Spirit cries out with us. What a comfort. And so we cry out in sorrow and in grief for our friend Diane, and all that she is suffering through in these weeks. We ask that she would know your comfort. We ask that you would bring people around her that would care for her well. And we ask that in her grief, uh, she would know your hope. As we come to your word now, we pray for help. We acknowledge our limits to know You. We acknowledge the limits of of being created and also the limits of our sin. So I pray that as we come to Your Word, we would come in humility, we would come in repentance, but that we would also come in faith, knowing that You speak Your grace here. I pray that You would make us open and receptive to hear that Word to be changed by it. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. South Georgia and North Florida is a region of strange celebrations. You have the Rattlesnake Roundup in Wiggum, Georgia. You have the Worm Grunton Festival in Softoppy, Florida. And my personal favorite, because of nostalgia, I grew up going to this one, in the little town, of Calvary, Georgia, just about 20 or 30 minutes from here, a town of about 250 people, there's a festival, a yearly festival, that at its height drew upwards of 80,000 people. All gathered to celebrate the majestic animal, the mule. Anybody ever been to Mule Day? Yeah, I grew up going to Mule Day. Strange celebrations. The book of Psalms can be for us, can seem to us a little bit like Mule Day. We talked last week of of how this book is full of expressions of sorrow, of grief, cries of pain to God. But right alongside of that, there are texts like the one we read. Explosions of celebratory poetry. Songs of joy expressed to God. But I think for a lot of us, we connect with the sad songs more. We look at our lives and we listen to the news and we resonate with the laments of the songs. But we feel a tension with the celebration that we found finally with the unbridled joy expressed in this book. That seems to us a strange celebration. It is easier for us to sing the sad songs and much more difficult for us to join the happy ones. So, what I want us to do tonight is ask, Why praise? The word praise summarizes these celebratory psalms. And they are so important that the book bears its name. The, The word psalms is simply the Greek translation of the Hebrew word for praise. These explosions of celebration expressed to God. So given the world around us, given the sorrow and grief our friend Diane is going through this week. Why praise? Why should we join the celebration of poetry like we find in Psalm 30? Two reasons. Praise is communication with God and praise is a response to God. So first of all, praise as a means of communication. If you notice in this Psalm, Psalm 30, uh, there is a repeated and irrepressible desire to speak, to sing, to speak well of God, to talk in a way, to make a sound that reveals, that demonstrates His goodness, His greatness, His beauty, and His worth. So beginning and end of the psalm, verse 1, I will exalt the Lord. Verse 12, I will not be silenced. I will sing praise. I will give thanks. And it's not just an individual impulse on the part of David, the poet here in Psalm 30. In verse 4, the soloist becomes a choir director. He looks around to his community and he says, join me. Join me in singing praise. Join me in expressing delight in God. So praise exists because of a need to speak well of God. A need to celebrate God with sounds, with words. One of the fun things about being a parent and seeing a baby mature and go through those early phases is you see them look for language. You see them trying to find ways to express, yes, hunger and pain, but also delight. So our baby Sam, when he was very, very little, he loved to have his feet tickled. His feet rubbed and we would tickle and you would see his face, him trying to figure out a way to express, I like this. And so he would go, oh, <laughs> oh. And as you see babies grow and mature, they develop their ability to express delight. To say, I like this. Praise is humanity looking for language. Language looking for language about and to God, language of delight in Him. Now, where does that desire come from? Where does the desire to speak, to make sounds that express delight in God, where does that come from? Verse 9, David is speaking to God. He is trying to convince God to save his life. And what's his argument? What reasons does he give that God should save his life? He says, will the dust praise you? He says, God, if I go into the grave, it will silence me. So understand the implication. David sees this search for language, this desire to praise as central to who He is, to why He was made, essential to why His heart beats, is the desire to express delight in God, to speak of God in a way that celebrates Him. Many of you know the opening question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It's an important theological document in our tradition and it opens with the question, what is the chief end of man? Man. And that's mankind there, not just males. Okay. So what is the chief end of human beings? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That statement is rooted deeply in the poetic logic of the Psalms. It finds its root in this desire expressed not only in Psalm 30, but throughout this book and throughout Scripture that we were made to delight in God and to express that delight in praise. And one of the reasons that we struggle with the joy that we find in the Psalms, one of the reasons that the celebration here feels strange to us, is that we don't want that to be our purpose. We're like four-year-olds at a birthday party. We want to be the center of attention. We want to be the center of the celebration. We struggle when something or someone else gets celebrated, and we are not in the middle of that. Or we take someone else, or a possession, or an accomplishment, or or pleasure, and we elevate that to the center. We want that to be the celebration of our lives. And so the joy of the Psalms feels weird to us because it is joy not in who we are or what we can do. It is joy in someone else. It is joy in God. But so often we want to create our own joy. With our accomplishments, with our ability to get pleasure, with our relationships, with our wealth and possessions. We want to create joy for ourselves rather than risking the surrender of finding joy in God, which is what we were made for. Now why would we want to do that? Why would we want to step out of the spotlight? Why would we want to risk surrendering our lives to finding joy in God? Second reason for praise. Praise is not only a way to communicate with God, but praise is a response to God. So notice throughout Psalm 30, David explains his joy, he explains his praise... Not only with this general idea, this general purpose of I was made for that, but much more prominent in this psalm, David explains his praise with concrete experiences. So verse 1, you drew me up. The image of a bucket being drawn out of the well. (coughs) Verse 2, you healed me. Verse 3, you brought me out of Sheol, which is the grave. You brought me... Out of the grave. And then he adds more detail to his story in verse 6. And he talks about how at this time in his life, he was enjoying security. He was enjoying comfort. He was confident. And God had shown him favor. And he doesn't tell us why, but he says God turned his face away. He hid his face. And things did not go well. And so he cries to God. And God responds. And he intervenes. And he turns his mourning into dancing. Now, notice a few things about these experiences that David talks about in Psalm 30. Notice, first of all, the pattern of reversal consistent throughout this poetry. I was going down, God acted and changed my direction. God intervened and he transformed, he reversed what I was going through. And then notice that that reversal, that transformation hinges on God's posture towards him. It hinges on the question, does God look on him with favor? Does he smile on him with favor? Or does he turn his face away? David sees his life. He imagines his life with this pattern of God turning his face toward him in favor and reversing the pain that he is experiencing. And this pattern, as David looks at his life through it, it produces all of these beautiful couples in Psalm 30, where he talks about moving from anger to favor. Weeping to joy. Mourning to dancing. And my favorite, this image of God taking from Him the clothes of sorrow and dressing Him in gladness. And notice that all of these images, all of these words, simply spin out the idea of verses 1 and 2. They are images, they are stories of resurrection. These words and their relationships to each other are little images, little stories of God bringing life out of death. Of David crying out to God, God acting to reverse his downward trend towards the grave. And bringing him to life. And when David sees this, he responds with praise. When he sees the pattern of reversal, the pattern of transformation in his life, he celebrates what God has done. So, praise is a response to resurrection. Resurrection. Praise is a response to God intervening and bringing life out of death. That's why David praised. That's why he celebrated. Why should we? We could join this celebration because Psalm 30 is about Jesus before it's about us. This is a psalm that beautifully tells the story of Jesus. That He entered into the world, and by entering into a broken and sinful world, He took on the first part of all those pairs, those couples throughout Psalm 30. He took on, He bore the wrath of God, the weight of God's wrath for sin. He took on our sorrow, the sorrow of living In a broken world, He clothed Himself in our grief. But this story doesn't stay there, does it? As He is dying on the cross, Jesus calls out to His Father, and it seems as if God has hid His face, as if He had turned away forever. Jesus dies... And he goes into the grave. But then what does his father do? He turns his face towards him. And he raises him from the dead. He hears his cry and he intervenes. And Jesus' life becomes the movement of this psalm. The movement from anger to favor. From weeping to joy from mourning to dancing, from death to life. Jesus' life embodies the pattern of reversal. His is the story of resurrection. And He invites us into that story. He invites us to come to Him in faith and belong to this movement, this pattern of, of God reversing, of God intervening, of God changing, transformation, bringing life out of death. You see, if you are in Jesus by faith, God has turned towards you. In Jesus, He smiles on you with favor. And that is not just a sentimental statement. Because when God smiles dead people get up and sing. God has smiled on you in Jesus. He has given you the story of resurrection. He enters into your life by His Holy Spirit in the pattern of reversal, bringing joy out of sorrow, bringing life out of death. And of course this has beautiful implications for our future when God will fully take from us the clothes of sorrow and wrap us in His eternal gladness. But the story of resurrection is not just for the future. It is for the present. The witness of the New Testament is clear that the power of Jesus' resurrection, if you are in Him, the power of His resurrection is at work in your life right now. The power of reversal is at work in this community because we are gathered around Him right here and right now. But we have to learn to look for it. We have to learn to be aware of it because often God's work of transformation and renewal is in small ways, is in the small details of our lives and the lives of those around us. And so we have to develop eyes to see God bringing new life, God raising the dead, God bringing reversal to situations of mourning, sorrow, bringing joy and dancing. We have to be awake. We have to be able to see it. And when we see it, we have to let it lead us to praise when we see God at work even in the smallness of our lives, we must let it lead us to celebration. We'll talk about community groups at the meeting in just a few minutes. One of the reasons we do this is to provide a context for us to celebrate resurrection. So not only to gather and say, how can I pray for you? How can I ask for God's help for you? But to ask each other, to tell each other stories of transformation, stories of change that we can gather and we can hear and celebrate and sing praise to God for the new life that He is bringing in the middle of our life together. Every once in a while I get interested in random things, random topics and subjects. And a few months ago, I I got interested in the process of movie making. But what are the elements that go into the craft of making a film? And in my research, I ran across a website called Hulk Film Crit. All right? And what this site is, is film criticism written in the persona and the language of the Hulk. All right. It's weird, but it works. It's amazing. Uh, And it's an incredibly informative site. And there was an article on there about the different camera shots that are available to a director when he's making a movie. And it talked about how these different shots affect us as viewers at an emotional level. Of what shots create stability, what shots (coughs) create fear, What shots create intensity and excitement. And what I noticed is after I read that article, when I sat down to watch a movie or television show, I saw things that I had never seen before. I noticed things that I had never noticed before. That's what I want for you from Psalm 30. I want you to see because Jesus sang this psalm, and He gives it to you. I want you to notice things that you have never noticed before. I want you to be awake to God's renewing, transforming work in your life and in the life of those around you. It is so easy for us to see the sin. It is so easy for us to see the struggle. It's so easy for us to see the sorrow, do you see the joy? Do you notice the reality of Christ's resurrection in your life, in this community, in those around you? When you get to know the history of South Florida, of South Georgia and North Florida, you begin to understand mule day because you understand what a crucial role that animal played in the economics and culture of this place. When you get to know the story of what God is doing through Jesus Christ in His church, then you begin to understand the strange celebration of the psalm you begin to see why there is so much joy. And when you realize by faith that Jesus has given you the story of resurrection, you will be able to join in the celebration that we read about in this book. Let's pray.